statement if you think about it because you can either defend yourself or you can trust that God will take care of it that's a hard thing to do though isn't it to allow God to take care of it to allow God to work it out it doesn't mean that God wants us to not use our brains that he's given us but I read this and I thought to myself man do we really believe that God is alive and real and looking out for his people Today, you'll hear Pastor Daniel teach about the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea to escape from Egypt. A total miracle. But more than save lives, what God did that day was the beginning of something even greater. The people saw, feared, and believed. When God speaks to you, you have to hear Him. Only then can you believe and see His hand as He works in your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, The Red Sea Passover. in faith he believed he said God's going to visit you and Moses remembered that and he took Joseph's bones with him took Joseph's bones with him and we find out in this process of course now in verse 21 and 22 that the Lord went before them with a sign notice this pillar of cloud to lead the way by day and by night a pillar of fire so you have a pillar of cloud and a pillar of of fire. Now, commonly scholars would tell you that the cloud is meant to protect the people from the hot desert heat to shield the sun. We don't mind when it's cloudy in the summertime, right? When it's like 95 degrees, right? We actually quite like it. Why? Because it, it takes the edge off of the heat. You can imagine in the wilderness in the Middle East how hot that is. So the cloud could protect them from the sun. Of course, the pillar of fire by night. This is before street lights, before solar lights, before mag flashlights, and whatever other type of lights you like. Before all that. So obviously the pillar of fire is, of course, lights up the sky a little bit. Now don't also miss, though, that the idea of a cloud and fire are big biblical pictures. God's glory, which we say in the West as Shekinah glory, which uh, in Hebrew they would say Shekinah, that's, probably, that's the more literal way to pronounce it. God's glory is often manifested by a cloud coming down. When Solomon prayed and dedicated the temple, a cloud came down. So it was the visible presence of God. Of course, we know fire is a huge symbol all through the Bible of God's refinement and judgment that God is spoken of as a refiner's fire. And that judgment is spoken of as fire. So now the children of Israel, as they're being led, whether it's daytime or nighttime, God has given them a very tangible, visible symbol. Now you might ask yourself, why doesn't God do that today? And I think that's a good question. What you often find biblically is that God nurtures people with very much hands-on in their infancy, and then he asks us to walk by faith. 
So the children of Israel are seeing these extraordinary things. And then as time goes on, because they're growing up, God expects them to be more mature. Like the early church. When you read the book of Acts, you're like, why isn't all this stuff happened today? Why isn't God as hands-on? Why? Because as you get older, you don't need your parents to be hands-on in the same way. I see that with my own children. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And there was a time when I did everything for my little Maranatha. Everything. It's like she couldn't do anything. And now I do it myself. Abba. And she's cute, so I said, okay. You know? And it's like, and, and she still loves me, but she doesn't need me in the same way. And you have to realize that, that oftentimes, the way God tends to you in the infancy of your faith is very hands-on. And then as you grow up, he knows that you trust him, so you don't need to do the same thing. He doesn't need to be as hands-on in the same way. Oftentimes we think I was really close to God then because I felt him all the time, and now I don't feel him, so maybe I must be far. No, no, no. God, God deals with you as to where you are. There's a devotional called Streams in the Desert. Great devotional. It was written by a woman. Her husband and her were missionaries. He died unexpectedly. Or, or he got sick, and he was on the mission field, but they couldn't get him home. And so his wife just would find all these devotions. She'd read them to her husband, and she compiled them in a book. Mrs. Charles Cowan, C-O-W-A-N. And, and there's one of the things is a, a guy sees a vision, and he sees three people, and they're all praying to Jesus. And the first one, Jesus comes down and wraps his arms around them and holds them into his bosom. And then he gets up, he goes on to the next one, and he just touches them on the head. And then the third one, Jesus just looks. And the man who's seeing this vision says, obviously, Jesus loved the first one the most. And then Jesus turns to him and says, no, no, no. They are broken, and they need me the closest. But the third one just trusts me, and I get pleasure from that. So we have to be careful. I mean, listen, the way a parent deals with a baby child as opposed to an adult child, it's just different. Because if you coddle an adult child as a baby, you actually diminish who they are, don't you? And God deals with us in that same kind of a way. God dealt with the children of Israel very uniquely at this point, and it will change later, although he's the same God. He's just dealing with them Differently. Now, as we move into chapter 14, look at what happens. Verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Hiroth, between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal-Zephom. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land, and the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. The heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people and they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. He took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Hiroth 
before Baal Zephon. Now see what goes on here. God has the children of Israel look like they're lost to draw Pharaoh out. We don't often think about that, but sometimes God strategizes. And we were created in the image and likeness of God. So if you know how to strategize, so does God. And God knew that Pharaoh's heart was hard. God had said this was going to happen all the way. And so right as they made this move, Pharaoh's like, why do we let them go? We need those servants back here. Classic statement of empire. Classic statement of oppression. So all God does is have them move to one spot and Pharaoh's coming out with chariots. He's ready to kill or bring back and re-enslave the children of Israel. And it just happens right as they change directions a little bit, Pharaoh comes on out with all of his chariots ready to do battle. But look at what happens in verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Now you see what goes on here. This is amazing. They're stuck. There's water and there's an army. And what happens? They get upset. They pray and they get mad at Moses. Now, brothers and sisters, we all pray like this a lot. Where you pray, but you actually don't get anything done because you're just as mad when you got out of prayer than when you went in. It's like, Lord, help us. Moses, why'd you do this to us? That's their response. Because their prayer is nothing more than emotion. They're not appropriating the presence of God in prayer. So now they're mad at Moses. They're like, I mean, they're on the shores of freedom. But they're like, we liked it in Egypt. What, there wasn't any graves to bury us there? So you're going to bring us out here to die in the wilderness? I mean, they don't trust God at all. I mean, all the stuff that God has done, still they do not trust him at all. Zero. And they're mad at Moses. They think, like, did we tell you this was going to happen, Moses? Why didn't you listen to us? We're going to die. And Moses' response I believe is very important for all of us because we all find ourselves at times between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. Notice how Moses responds to them. He says first, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The Bible says something to that effect more than 365 times in the Bible. And people would say it's one for every day of the year, including leap years. Because it's so easy to be afraid. Why? Because tomorrow hasn't happened yet. And so all options of calamity are on the table. But it says simply, don't be afraid. What should you do instead of being afraid? Stand still and see the salvation of God. That's a powerful idea. Instead of fearing, stand still and see God's salvation. This reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember when they wouldn't bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar's image? 
And they said, listen, our God is able to deliver us from your furnace, but even if he doesn't, we're still not bowing down. Instead of freaking out, instead of being afraid, stand still and see the salvation of God. God does not save until we are in need of saving. I I wish that God stored up the physical deliverances of our life before it happens so I know that like I have a get out of jail free card before I end up in jail. Not that I'm looking to end up in jail, but you know what I mean. But God can only deliver us when we're standing in need of deliverance. And in the circumstances of our lives, God can't give us the grace that we need to get through it until we're in it. And so we need to learn how to not be afraid, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And then he says, and it's so certain, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Look at verse 14. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The question for us is, do we believe that? Do we believe that the Lord is on our side? You know, I once heard it said, if you defend yourself, God will let you. That's a powerful statement if you think about it. Because you can either defend yourself or you can trust that God will take care of it. That's a hard thing to do though, isn't it? To allow God to take care of it. To allow God to work it out. It doesn't mean that God wants us to not use our brains that he's given us. But I read this and I thought to myself, man, do we really believe that God is alive and real and looking out for his people? You know, I think about it, you know, it says in the Bible that we are, we are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. There's all these beautiful pictures. And I think about it, if someone came to my house to mess with my family, you know I'm going to get up and go and, and try and deal with that. And I'm just a fallen husband, frail man. How much more God, who has made a covenant with us to fight on our behalf? How much more God wants to work things out on our behalf? God wants to fight for us, to go before us, to protect and to take care of the issues. Now, look at what happens. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Verse 17. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army and his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 19, And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other. Verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind, to go uh, all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them 
on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued them and went after them into the midst of the sea. And Pharaoh's, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and all his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Now notice, God tells Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell them to move forward. Go back to what I told you to do. Move forward. And then we find out this cloud goes from before them and now goes to protect them from behind. So this cloud, this visible, tangible presence of God is now acting as a buffer between the Egyptians and the children of Israel. Moses holds out his rod and God brings a strong east wind. So God uses natural means and he parts this sea. Now notice it says in there that the water was like walls on either side of them. Now the modern mind says to themselves, that's impossible. That's miraculous. It's not possible. And I'm here to tell you it's absolutely possible. You know how I know it's possible? Just go look at a dam anywhere in the world. If men can figure out how to keep water in place by a wall, the reason they can figure that out is because God knew how to do it first. And God didn't need concrete. All the time people say, I can't believe, I mean, how can you believe that in the Bible? I'm like, can you ever go look at a dam in your life? Just drive down 14. You're going to see a dam right down on 14 past Camus. If men figured out how to do it, it's because God knew how to do it first. People always say like, oh, you Christians, how do you believe in the virgin birth? I'm like, how do you not believe in it? We call it artificial insemination. A woman who's never known a man Scientists can take a little sperm in a little Petri dish, you know, and put a little egg, and they put them together and put in that woman. She's never known a man. She could be a mom. If we could figure out how to do it, you don't think God knew how to do that first? It's actually illogical not to believe in it because we figured out how to do it. So if you're here with that skeptical mind, listen, if, if humans figured out how to do it, and if there is a God, and I believe that there is, he knew how to do it long before. He's got more wisdom than all of us combined on our best day. It's very plausible, not strange. They're literally walking through the sea with walls of water, like in the aquarium on either side. That's what happens. And then God, it's, it's amazing because Pharaoh and his, the chariot start to go in and then God starts to take the wheels off the chariot. That's like a New Jersey move from the Lord. I like that. <laughs> you know, I just loosen up the lug nuts, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden they start going and it's like, boom. Yeah. One of the further proofs that Jesus from, was from Jersey. Amen. <laughs> and what's interesting, verse 24 and 25, the Egyptians are starting to get what's going on. It's, it's amazing that they're just getting it now, that God is fighting for the, for the children of Israel. I mean, this has been going on for months with all these plagues. And now they're like, the Lord fights for the children of Israel against us. It's like, you think? Like, duh. You know, it's like, of course that's the case. Now look at verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth. 
while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt, so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Look at verse 31. I want to just close with this tonight. Thus Israel saw the great work of the Lord that he had done in Egypt, so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Notice, they saw, they feared, and they believed. They saw, they feared, and they believed. Jesus in speaking in the gospel said, seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not. We need to make sure that God has given us eyes that we might see. Brothers and sisters, we need to keep our eyes open. I believe that even in the midst of the most unimaginable tragedy, we can see the fingerprints of God. We need to have eyes that see. And when we see the Lord, we should be moved to fear the Lord. That fear of the Lord, that fearing the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom, it's the beginning of knowledge. I believe that the fear of the Lord is both fearing His authority, because God has ultimate authority. I've used the example a million times. It's the best example. You're driving down the road, doing the speed limit, you look in your rearview mirror, if there's a police car, what's the first reaction you have? Fear. Right? It's like you're doing the speed limit, you're hitting the brake, you're 10 and 2, you know, like, right? We all do that. You're doing the speed limit, but why are you afraid? Because that cop has the authority to give you a ticket. And how much more authority does God have? Jesus said, don't fear him who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill the body and what? Cast the soul into hell. We should fear the authority of God because he's God. And we should also fear to break his heart because of the love that he has for us. I'm always trying to talk to my kids about that. Don't ever break your mama's heart. Because I want them to love their mom enough not to do dumb things. I want that. We should fear to break the heart of God. But we need to see first. And when we see the fingerprints of God, then we should fear Him. That's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And as we see and as we fear, we need to believe. We need to believe. I think of David who said, I would have lost heart if I did not believe I would see the hand of the Lord in the land of the living. Do we believe that we will see God's hand in this day and age? In the circumstances, the very real circumstances of our lives. The children of Israel, they saw, they feared, and they believed. Not only did they believe in the Lord, but they believed that God had his hand on God has delivered the children of Israel by a mighty hand. Jesus is real. As the Egyptians pursued the children of Israel, the people were dismayed, but God was still with them. 
At the conclusion of the passage, Israel saw, feared, and believed the Lord. You need to be a person who sees, fears, and believes, and He will be forever faithful. We know that God doesn't need our money, but He uses our finances to help further His kingdom. We want to invite you to partner with us and help expand God's kingdom through Jesus is Real Radio. Your monthly or one-time gift will allow us to continue to grow our radio ministry in other parts of the world, sharing the life-changing experience of knowing that Jesus is real. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. Pastor Daniel covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review? You can listen to today's message again by logging on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at JesusIsRealRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Jesus Is Real Radio is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will begin a new study in the Word of God. We hope you have been challenged, encouraged, and changed by what you've heard as we follow the Israelites on their journey out of Egypt. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through God's Word next time. Until then, may God bless. My life is so typical